0: As you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles and meet at Galatians chapter 2. I am excited to continue our study of this passage together. Uh, we know as we left off at the beginning of chapter 2 that uh, Paul was an apostle of God sent by God to Jerusalem along with Barnabas and Titus. And they were to go to meet with the leaders of the church in Jerusalem Because they were going to settle finally, once and for all, the question of salvation for the Gentiles. The reason for this meeting was the Judaizers, these false brothers, had infiltrated the church in Antioch and other New Testament churches, and they were teaching and preaching that circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law was necessary for the salvation of the Gentiles. They were preaching salvation is by faith in Jesus plus works. And so the result of this all-important meeting in Jerusalem was that all the leaders there, Barnabas, Titus, and Paul, Peter, James, and John, and the other leaders, they agreed on God's message of grace to us in Christ Jesus. Salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, not by works. And so these leaders were in unity with God and with one another. The gospel continued to spread, and the church continued to grow in Paul's day, as well as the gospel now continues to spread, and the church continues to grow today here with us and out through the ministries that we and the body of Christ have uh, to the nations. We have the joy, the privilege of sharing God's message of grace to us in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we want to stop just for a moment and say thank you for your grace to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for rescuing us out of the domain of darkness and transferring us into the kingdom of the Son that you love, Jesus Christ. Father God, we pray that you would now feed us the truth of your word so that we might become more like Jesus this morning. For it is in his name we pray. Amen and amen. I read a story that happened during the American Civil War years ago. Uh, President Abraham Lincoln was uh, trying to please a particular politician, and so he issued a command that, in effect, would force some regiments of troops to be transferred. And so when this command was relayed to his Secretary of War, Edward Stanton, Stanton refused to follow the order. And he actually said the president was a fool. Well, when the news got back to President Lincoln about what his Secretary of War, Stanton, had said to him, Lincoln said, if Stanton said that I'm a fool, then I probably am, for he is nearly always right. I will check with him and see for myself. President Lincoln then had a conversation with Secretary of War, Stanton, and as they met together, it became very clear, very quickly, that President Lincoln's decision uh, would have been a tragic failure. And so he rescinded the order immediately. This conversation between President Lincoln and Secretary of War Stanton helped them and countless others. Conversations bless us and others. Conversations encourage us and others. Conversations help us and others to live and love God's way. God has Emphasized the importance of conversations in his word to you and to me. All throughout his word, Old Testament, New Testament, we see the importance of conversations. Conversations promote communication, and communication is necessary for healthy relationships. There are many different types of communication that we engage in in our daily lives. There's many different types of communication that we see here in the testimony of God's Word. This will not be an exhaustive list of all the types of communication, but I want to share just a few with you this morning. The first is coordination. Coordination is really the most basic level and necessary level of communication. Coordination is simply, hey, I'm going to go to the store. What do you need? I'm going to go pick up the store food from the store. Uh, what time do the kids have this party? What time is school? I'm going to be coming home from work at this time. Can you make sure you get the kids to practice? And I'll pick the kids up from practice. Coordination. We're just simply coordinating with one another about schedules. The challenge in this level is that we don't get stuck in the level of coordination only, and just exist in that level. It's the most basic level of communication. Another form of communication is confession. We confess our sins to God, and we know that as we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess our sins to one another. It's vitally important that we confess to one another. Solomon said, the one who conceals their sins uh, will not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Confession also uh, includes opening our hearts and minds up to God clearly and crying out to God in prayer, which he calls us to do, sharing with God what's on our hearts and minds, telling him why we think the way we think, and crying out to him. But it also, confession also includes communicating with one another, going to that next level of communication and sharing with one another what's on our hearts, what's on our minds, what are we thinking, what are we feeling, what God's doing in our lives as we Confess to one another all that God is doing. A third level is conciliation. Conciliation is the art of keeping peace with another person or groups of people. As Paul told us, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Conciliators resolve conflict. They restore peace. They seek to bring agreement and healing and understanding uh, to broken relationships. They seek to bring unity to broken relationships. We see this at work uh, in uh, the church of Philippi, where uh, Paul wrote to the leaders of Philippi and, they, and he said, hey, listen, you leaders, you members of the church in Philippi, you need to help you to agree in the Lord, be conciliators, get them to agree in the Lord, bring healing to that conflict, unity to that conflict. And in that passage, in that instruction, we also see the truth in God's word that we are never to compromise God's word for the cause of peace, so to agree in the Lord. And so we always hold on to the truth of God's word. That's the base uh, for our lives. A fourth type of conversation is confrontation. Uh, this is probably one, if not the most challenging forms of communication. It's vitally important, but it's often ignored and misused. We are to speak God's truth and love to one another in person, face to face. The in love part is the key because confrontation is generally needed when someone has said or done something wrong. Confrontation is generally needed when someone has said or done something that has hurt or offended someone. And so we're going to get to it later in our study of Galatians, but Paul later told us that if a brother or sister is caught in a sin, trapped in a sin, we are to go to them and to confront them. And we're to help restore them to the Lord, but we're to do it with a gentle spirit. Jesus told us that if you have something against someone, if someone has offended you, if someone has said something or done something that has offended you, then you are to go to that person. You're to confront them in love. You're to share with them in love what's going on so that you can win that person over so that unity can be maintained in that relationship. The goal for all types of communication is connection. That's the goal is connection. We want to make sure that we connect with God, crying out to God, pouring our hearts out to God so that we can connect with God. Why? So that we can grow in our relationship with God and reap the blessings that come to us from our relationship with God. We want to connect with God at a deep personal level, but we also want to connect with one another. We want to connect with one another at a deep personal level so that we can grow in our relationships with one another and so that we can read the blessings that God wants to pour into us through our relationships with one another. In our passage this morning, Paul wrote about a confrontation he had with Peter. So we're going to focus on number four, confrontation this morning that he had with Peter. Galatians chapter 2, in verse 11, Paul wrote these words, but when Cephas, Cephas is named for Peter, when When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Paul understood the importance of conversations. As you know, based on your knowledge of Paul, Paul was not afraid to have conversations with anyone for any reason at any place at any time. He was ready for conversations, whatever form. And we see this is evidenced by his confrontation here with Peter. So let's look at verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, so remember what's happened as we transition out of verses 1 through 10, the meeting in Jerusalem, Jerusalem council, all the leaders decided salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. So after that meeting ended, in between verse 10 and verse 11, what happened was after that meeting ended, Paul and Barnabas and Titus, they left Jerusalem and they went back to Antioch, to the church in Antioch, because that's the church they came from to the meeting. They went back to the church in Antioch and they gathered the church together and the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians who were together there in Antioch, they sat down with them. They said, hey, listen, here's the decision that we have for you. And the decision is salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. And they shared with these believers that you guys are free in Jesus, to live for Jesus and to love like Jesus. And the scripture says They all rejoiced. They were rejoicing with one another. They were praising God together. Great things were happening in Antioch. And so they were on fire for the Lord. But when Peter came to Antioch, at a point in time after this meeting, after Paul, Barnabas, and Titus had gone back to Antioch, here comes Peter. Peter comes to Antioch. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Opposed means to stand against. It means to set against someone. It is actually a military term that is used as an army is standing in battle formation opposed to their enemy. In today's lingo, Paul is saying this. I called Peter on the carpet. I got in Peter's face. When he came to Antioch, I got in Peter's grill. Now, this is vitally important because you, as I'm sure you understand who we're talking about here. This is Paul versus Peter. If there was a heavyweight fight in this day, this is it. Paul, the one entrusted by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter, the one entrusted by God to take the gospel to the Jews. Peter, who Paul just A few verses before, called one of the pillars of the church. Paul comes right up to him. He opposes him. He confronts him in person, face to face. He said, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Condemned means to know something against someone, to find fault or to blame. Why did Paul go and stand in front of Peter face to face? Because Peter was condemned. Peter's actions were wrong. His actions were not in line with the truth of God's word. When Paul used condemned, he's not saying that Peter had lost his salvation. He's saying Peter was living in sin. So he opposed him, confronted him, got in his face, Continue to verse 12. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. In God's word, there are times when we don't know what the reason is for what's going on. Sometimes, especially when there's a problem between folks or when there's a conflict between folks, God may not tell us the reason why the conflicts happen. He just lets us know there's a conflict. For example, Yadi and Suntike, the two ladies in the church in Philippi, we know they were in conflict. We know the conflict was creating disunity in the church. We know the conflict was splitting the church in Philippi wide open. We have no idea what the conflict was about. In this particular case, Paul makes it real clear what the conflict is about. We don't have to ask questions. We know what's going on. We know why there's conflict. We know, we're getting ready to learn, why Paul got in Peter's face. And he said, for he regularly ate with the Gentiles, that he is Peter. And so when Peter came to Antioch, what happened was, he came to the church in Antioch. God was at work in the church in Antioch. Peter sat down and he started enjoying Meals with the Gentile Christians. Peter, a Jew, was enjoying meals with the Gentile Christians. Jews and Gentiles were one together in Christ Jesus. They were having fellowship meals at the church in Antioch. So Peter sat down, and he was having a good time. They were eating, sharing, fellowshipping. They were enjoying this fellowship with one another. It was awesome. Great things were happening. He was going into their homes, and they were having big meals together. Things were working well. Quick background. That will help provide more of the picture of what's going on here that will help us to understand Peter's actions. Real quick background, we'll take a time out just for a few moments. Hang with me. One of the greatest challenges to the New Testament churches was the understanding that Jews and Gentiles were family in Jesus, that these enemies for hundreds and hundreds of years were now family in Christ Jesus. That the racial segregation and the hatred that existed between Jews and Gentiles was now eliminated in Christ Jesus. And back in Acts chapter 10, God shared a vision with Peter because this was going to take some time, as we see in the New Testament, getting this issue resolved. And so back in Acts chapter 10, God gave a vision to Peter. And in that vision, Peter saw a sheet That was extending from heaven and that was coming down to earth. And on the sheet were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the sky. And a voice shared with Peter, Peter, get up, arise, kill, and eat. And what was going on was God was sharing through that vision with Peter that he was overturning the clean and unclean dietary restrictions that were found in the Old Testament law. Now in Christ, things were different. And he was also overturning some of the ceremonial laws regarding the sacrifices and regarding festivals and certainly regarding circumcision, as we've been talking about. He was letting Peter, all the way back in Acts chapter 10, know that it's a new day, Pete. Things are changing in Christ Jesus. And so this was happening. And so he also, in this vision, told Peter, I need you, Peter, to go to the house of Cornelius. I'm going to send you to Caesarea. You're going to travel to Caesarea, and I want you to go to the house of Cornelius. And uh, Cornelius was a Gentile centurion in the Roman army. He was in the Italian regiment. And he said, I need you to go to Cornelius' house. I want you to meet with him. I want you to talk to him. Which would have been unlawful and forbidden For a Jew, Peter, to go to a home of a Gentile at that point in time, apart from Christ Jesus. And in Acts chapter 10, if you want to turn to your left, you can turn to Acts chapter 10, or if you want to just take notes, you jot it down, you can jot it down. Acts chapter 10 In verse 28, Luke is writing about this situation, and God has shared this information with Peter in the vision, and so Peter is doing just that, and Peter said, Luke is recording Peter's words, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 28, Peter said to them, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. Hold on now. What does that mean? Well, that means Peter understood uh, understood God's vision. That means Peter understood that through Jesus, the Gentiles were no longer to be seen as impure and unclean. Now, there's a series in that statement. He understood. He went to Cornelius and he told him, hey, listen, apart from Jesus, I wouldn't be allowed to be in your house. Because I would have thought you were unclean. I would have thought you were impure. But you see, Peter obeyed God, went to the house of Cornelius, and he preached God's message of grace to us in Christ Jesus. He preached right there in Cornelius' house. Cornelius had his family, brought some close friends. And what happened? God showed up by power of his Holy Spirit, and all those in Cornelius' house received God's gift of salvation by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. They even were baptized by immersion in obedience to the Word of God. God did an amazing thing in that meeting at Cornelius' house in Caesarea. Well, Peter left Caesarea. He left, and he went back to Jerusalem. And when old Pete got back to Jerusalem, there were some members of the Jewish party there, some of the circumcision party, these Judaizers who believed that circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law was necessary for salvation of Gentiles. And when Pete got back to Jerusalem, he had a crew waiting on him, and they criticized him. They got upset with Peter. Couldn't believe Peter did what he did. He went into the house of Cornelius. And so Peter sat down with them, and he shared with them what God had said to him in the vision. He told them what God did, to get, did through him. He told them what God showed him. He told them how Cornelius and his family and his friends, they received God's gift of salvation by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. They were baptized by immersion. He shared with them. And in Acts 11 and verse 18, after he shared with them this message, when they heard this, they became silent. So, These Judaizers, they were upset with Peter. Now they've heard from Peter. And what happens? This is what happened. And they glorified God. When they opened their mouth, it was to praise God. They went from criticizing Peter to praising God. Why? So then God has given repentance, resulting in life even to the Gentiles. Man, they were on fire. It was awesome. Peter actually defended the unity of Jews and Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Later after this meeting, as we've been talking in Acts chapter 15, Peter was there with James and John and Paul, Barnabas and Titus at the Jerusalem Council, which we've already talked about. And they declared and affirmed that God's gift of salvation is available to all by God's grace alone, through faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. They all agreed and understood that through the work of Christ on the cross, he has torn down the barrier of sin that separates us from God, that separates us from one another, that separated you from Gentile, Because the good news of the gospel is now available to all people, all nations, Jew and Gentile alike. They all understood this. Peter himself understood this. He was preaching and teaching this gospel. Now back to Galatians. For he ate regularly with the Gentiles. He was doing this. He was eating with the Gentiles. Uh Uh-oh. Before certain men came from James. So here's where things start to change. Who are these certain men? Well, we don't know who these certain men are because God didn't tell us who these certain men are. They came from James. James is one of the key leaders of the church in Jerusalem. So we know they came from Jerusalem. Many different views. One view is that these were men that were sent by James to go from Jerusalem to the church to find out about all the incredible stuff God was doing at the church in Antioch, specifically how the Jews and Gentile Christians were eating and fellowshipping and growing in their walk with one another. A second view is that uh, these men were sent by James to the church in Antioch because James wanted to make sure that the Jewish Christians abided by the Old Testament dietary laws uh, without understanding and realizing completely that by requiring the Jewish Christians to abide by the dietary laws, that would have created disunity because the Gentiles didn't follow the Old Testament dietary laws of the Jews, and that would have meant those fellowship meals would have stopped. A third and most likely view is that these were members of the circumcision party. These were some of the Judaizers, the false brothers, who had come from Jerusalem, and they came to the church in Antioch, just as they had tried before, and they came to the church in Antioch because though their first attempt failed to get salvation added, uh, to, to get circumcision out of the salvation of the Gentiles, now they came back to Antioch and they tried to enforce the Jewish Christians to abide by the Old Testament uh, dietary rules and restrictions, and that way it would force the Jewish Christians to eat with the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians to eat with the Gentile Christians. In essence, what it would do is it would separate the unity in the church. It would destroy those fellowship meals and we would see disunity rather than unity because you see these Judaizers, these false brothers, they were legalists. They were continuing to believe that salvation was by faith in Jesus plus works before certain men came from James. Listen to this now. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. He is Peter. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. Withdrew literally means to pull back, to retreat, to separate oneself. It's in the imperfect tense, which means this was a slow separating and pulling back. So what was going on is Pete got to Antioch. Things were going great. The Jews and the Gentiles, man, they were eating. Everybody's going in those, running in and out of one of those houses, Just like what happened in Acts chapter 2 in the church in Jerusalem. They were loving one another. They were fellowshipping one another. Things were great. And they were just growing together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And then one day, oh, Pete happened to look up, and he, he saw some men coming from Jerusalem, and he recognized them. So he slowly, slowly started to back away from the table, from the meal, just ever so slowly pulling away. I'll confess to you, I had a drug problem when I was growing up. Uh, My parents drug me to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night, every time church was open man my parents were dragging me to church i praise god for my parents that blessed to have parents that love the lord and took me to church and one of the things i remember most about growing up was something called potluck meals uh, potluck meals would happen generally on sunday afternoons uh, after church most of the time it's the fifth sunday potluck Sunday, but every once in a while, we'd get an extra one in that. and uh, potluck Sunday simply meant this. Everybody bring a pot of food to church on Sunday and say, good luck eating it. Uh, that was about how it worked, uh, and what would happen to those potluck meals is after church, man, everybody come around, and they'd get around the table, and they'd be, just these tables would be lined up with all these pots of food, and we'd go through the lines, and you'd fill your plate up, and then everybody would just pile in at tables, and kids would be eating with kids, and parents with parents, and then the kids would finish and be running around. Everybody's fellowshipping and sharing. Man, we'd stay after church for an hour, two hours, just fellowshipping one another after the service, eating food, enjoying the friendship with one another. This was going on in Antioch. This is exactly what was going on in Antioch. Until certain men came from Jerusalem. And Peter backed up. He started to back away. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. Why? Because he feared those from the circumcision party. Why did he do it? Because he feared those from the circumcision party. Who were the circumcision? Who's the circumcision party? Again, those are the Judaizers, those false brothers. That first tried to add circumcision, obedience to the Old Testament law for the salvation of Gentiles, which got defeated. Now they were coming because they wanted to enforce obedience to the Old Testament law to the Gentile or to the Jewish Christians. He knew who they were. He knew what they were about. And when Peter saw them coming, what went through his mind was, I'm more concerned about what those men are going to think about me and say about me as they see me sitting here with these Gentile Christians. So let me get up. Let me get up and let me let me just... I'm going to stay away. He pulled back. He stopped going to their homes. Stopped having those meals with Gentile Christians. And he just kind of started getting over here with the Jewish Christians. Staying with them. Feared is in the present tense, which means this was a constant fear that was running through his mind. As these men were there in Antioch. I want you to notice the difference between Peter and Paul at this point. Peter backed down because of these men. Paul stood up against these men. Peter showed cowardice. Paul showed courage. Peter was walking by fear. Paul was walking by faith. Peter compromised his faith. Paul continued in his faith. Peter put his eyes on people. Paul kept his eyes on God. Peter wanted to please people. Paul wanted to please God. This was clearly... Not one of Peter's finest moments. Not one of his best moments in ministry. Again, what I love about the Word of God is it's honest. God's Word is very honest with us. Shares the the positive aspects of what these men and women did, but God also shares with us the the negative aspects about what these men and women did in the Scriptures to encourage us to continue to trust in Him because He's great, not us, not them. He's great. And so we see this is happening. Then, as if it can't get worse, look what happens in verse 13. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Look at this now. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy, Peter's hypocrisy. Peter was being a hypocrite. That's what he was being. He was being a hypocrite. Hypocrisy means to put on a mask, to play a part, to act. It means to say one thing and do another. What is he talking about here? About Peter's hypocrisy. Peter believed and defended that salvation was by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ Jesus alone. Peter knew and understood that Jews and Gentiles alike were brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. He knew this. And yet, when the men came from Jerusalem, his action of pulling away from the meals, his action of pulling away from the Gentiles sent the message that he actually believed that salvation was by faith in Jesus plus the good work of obedience to the Old Testament law in regards to the dietary restrictions. Peter knew these Judaizers. He knew these people in the circumcision party were wrong. He knew it. But his fear of man led him to compromise his faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And what's scary? Scariest part is then the rest of the Jews joined in. So we're back to the potluck meal. Jews and Gentiles, big fellowship, all kinds of eating. Peter starts to back away and leave. Then the other Jewish Christians that were in the group that were having the meal, Hey. They all started backing away. They followed old Pete's lead. So that even Barnabas. That had to hit Paul. Had to. He said, even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. Barnabas. Barnabas was Paul's guy. Barnabas was the one who convinced Peter and James to talk with Paul in the first place when he went to the first 15-day meeting in Jerusalem. Barnabas was the Son of encouragement. He was with Paul on his missionary journey when these churches were planted. He was with Paul at the Jerusalem meeting. Barnabas was the one who went and got Paul out of Arabia and Syria and Cilicia and asked him to come and teach with him for a year. Barnabas and Paul pastored the church at Antioch for a year before this happened. And Paul's writing, as Paul's there and he's watching and he's seeing and he's hearing what's going on, and he realizes even Barnabas, oh, even Barnabas was led astray. by their hypocrisy. This is why Paul, opposed, confronted, got in Peter's face, in person, in public, with passion. He didn't say, Pete, come here, man. We need to have a meeting. Hey, Pete, what's your schedule look like? You got some time for me later this week. We need to talk. Oh, no, as we'll see in the coming weeks. No. It was right then. It was right there. It was clear. It was bold. It was in public. He got in his grill. There are so many application points This continues for the next several verses and we'll be walking through these next several verses in the coming week or two. As I'm sure you've already seen, there's so many application points even from these first three verses that we can glean and put into practice in our lives as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus from this incredible scene that is unfolding years ago in the town of Antioch, in the church in Antioch where God was at work in amazing ways. So let's first just look at this first application point. Our application point for this day, for today. So we look to this day and this week is simply this. Disunity is out of place in God's family. Disunity is out of place in God's family. As we look at verses one through 10, what do we find? We find unity. Unity is everywhere. When we look in verses one through 10, there's unity everywhere. There's unity among the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. There's unity among Paul, Barnabas, and Titus. There's unity among Paul, Barnabas, and Titus and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. There's unity in the church of Antioch. The unity is being displayed by these Jews and Gentile believers eating fellowship meals with one another, having a great time together. They're in one another's homes. This would have been unlawful. As Luke shared in Acts chapter 10, man, this would have been just days, months, years earlier. Man, this would have been unlawful. This would have been unthinkable. This would have been forbidden. There's no way a Jew would have gone into a home of Gentile and vice versa. No chance this was happening, but through Christ on the cross of Calvary. Now we see this was happening. Antioch's church was growing. God was at work. He had Barnabas and Paul there pastoring the church. Peter had come. I mean, you talk about you had the leaders of all the leaders. They were there. Man, these believers enjoyed their unity. These believers defended their unity. These believers loved their unity. These believers rejoiced in their unity. These believers in Antioch taught about unity in Jesus. But when some men came from Jerusalem. But when some men came from Jerusalem. Faith gave way to fear. Pleasing God gave way to pleasing people. And unity, it gave way to disunity. Sparked by the lies of the enemy that filled Peter's mind. And in a weak moment, he acted on the lies of the enemy rather than walking in the truth of God's word. And the rest of the Jewish believers followed him. So, Paul, understanding and knowing that disunity is out of place in God's family, opposed Peter to his face. He confronted him. And this is a great reminder for us today, as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It's a great reminder for you and for me just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in these moments because, you know, the reality is this application, as is all application points, it's personal first and foremost. It's always personal because then God wants it to become public through our ministries to those God's placed around us. But first, got to answer these questions personally, and we've seen Paul answered it correctly. Peter answered it incorrectly, but we know this is a great word, a great reminder for us today. Disunity hurts our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. When you look at what's going on here, what I see is obviously disunity is disobedience to God, and we know that 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 breaks that fellowship with God. But we see as well, disunity hurts the body of Christ. It hurts these brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Disunity today hurts us. Hurts the body of Christ. Hurts brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I praise God for the unity we have in this church and the unity that we're growing toward in this church as it's a continual process of growing in our unity in Christ Jesus. But listen, if there is is disunity in the body, then it hurts the body. If we say one thing and do another, we all suffer. If we act one way and talk one way with one another when we're together and then when we're away we go and post or speak or act differently we all suffer. If we act one way when we're inside the church and a different way when we're outside the church toward one another we all suffer. disunity hurts the body of Christ and you see Jesus settled this issue of unity for us as he gave himself for us on the cross of Calvary he, he laid his life down there's no discussion point with Jesus when it comes to unity and he answered all questions He settled all conflict. As in himself, he became our peace with God and our peace with one another. But you see, disunity also hurts the witness for Jesus. It hurts our witness for Jesus. Why? Because we know we have unity with one another in Christ Jesus. And the way we strengthen and demonstrate our unity with one another is by the way we love one another. By the way, we love one another, which was going on before these certain men came to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Antioch. This is what Jesus told us about this. All people will know you're my disciples if you, what, love one another. So disunity, in effect, it stops that love. And it begins to damage the relationships that we have with one another. Disunity is a work of our enemy, Satan. And when we give into disunity, we're giving into his lies rather than the truth of God's word. Disunity, it divides us. Disunity separates us. Disunity can spread through us. Disunity discourages us. Disunity destroys us in our walk with God, our worship of God, our witness for God. And so we must make sure that we are on guard in our day to day lives so that this. This unity that we see here never is allowed to creep in to our lives, and it's never allowed to creep into our families, and it's never allowed to creep in our church family. You see, if we want to enjoy our unity in Jesus, here's the solution, here's the answer. We must maintain our unity with Jesus. If we want to maintain our unity in Jesus, we individually got to maintain our unity with Jesus. Listen, that's why we know that Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's got to be number one. Because as we love God with all that we've got, as we love God day after day after day, as we grow in love for God, He's the one who fills us with the ability to love our neighbors as ourselves. What Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing apart from Christ Jesus. We can do nothing of spiritual significance. And so we understand and realize that this unity is first and foremost us, a me, I. I must maintain my unity with Christ Jesus day after day after day, growing in my trust and faith in Him. As Jesus leads, I follow. As Jesus leads us, we follow humbly in obedience to Him, and then He fills us with the power to live His way and to love His way. He fills us with the power. To say no to the temptations of our enemy, because this is how good our God, this is how amazingly great our God is. God has placed His Holy Spirit in us at the moment of our salvation. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live and love God's way. But guess what the Holy Spirit, what a name for the Holy Spirit is. God places His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's name is the Holy Spirit of what? Truth. Truth. Why did He give us the Holy Spirit of truth? Because our enemy is the father of lies, that's why. And so when He bombards our minds with His lies, we got the Holy Spirit of truth living within us. And as we are maintaining that unity we have with the Lord and our time with him and our walk with him, the Holy Spirit of truth speaks to us and he identifies those lies that come into our minds and he helps us with the power to resist those lies so that we can walk in obedience to the truth of the word of God. We can live in unity with God and one another in Christ Jesus. So if, if there is an element of disunity, in your relationship with God, again, this is personal. If there is any element of disunity in your relationship with God, the sin that you're holding on to more dearly, you've not yet surrendered to God. If there's a break in your fellowship with God, then it's time for you, for me to have a conversation with God, to confess our sins to God so that we can be forgiven by God and have that unity with God restored once again so that we can continue growing in our relationship with God and walking in obedience to the truth of his word. And then secondly, if there is any threat of disunity in your relationships with someone else, friend, family member, someone else, if there's a, a break in your fellowship with somebody else, either by way of something they said or did to you or, or maybe a misunderstanding that's gotten out of control or whatever the case may be, it's time if you have a conversation with that individual. Communicate with them. To share with them in love. Why? So that you can seek and share forgiveness so that that unity can be restored. So that you can continue Not only walking in your unity with the Lord, but in unity with one another. Because you see what happens is when we are living in unity with God, He calls and leads us to live in unity with one another. And as we do, we experience the blessings of God in our lives. And the blessings of God through our relationships with one another. Remember, we are new in Christ. That was this message that Paul was sharing and he's going to share with Peter and these other believers. We're new in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come. We're no longer separated. We're one in Christ Jesus. We're forgiven in Jesus. We're family in Jesus. We're free in Jesus to live for Jesus and love others like Jesus. So let's not waste any time. Let's live in the victory that is ours together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is gonna come and lead in this time of invitation. I wanna encourage you to just... Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to do business with you. Here in person, streaming online, just allow the Lord to begin speaking to you. The altar is open as it always is. For you to come and kneel and do business with the Father. Our pastors will be standing here. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. They would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. But as God speaks, let's respond to him. Allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and minds. Reveal to us any areas that, that are not pleasing to Him. And then ask Him to begin to give us the courage and the desire and the strength to, to move out in obedience to Him by His power at work in us for His honor, glory, name, and fame. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then I to encourage you to do so this morning. As you've heard the good news of the gospel is God has extended grace to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, years ago, came to this earth to rescue us from our sins. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. And he died on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again victorious over sin and death for you and for me. He took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. And new life is available for us by God's grace through our faith and trust in Jesus. And encourage you. If you've never made that decision, do so this morning. Just cry out to the Father right there, wherever you may be. Cry out and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Tell Him you understand that you're a sinner and you believe Jesus is your Savior. You believe Jesus died on the cross in your place. You believe He was buried. You believe He rose again on the third day and He's alive and wants a relationship with you. And just cry out to God and ask Jesus to come into your life. Receive God's gift of salvation. Putting your trust in Jesus. God will save you. He'll come in, He'll come out, and He'll change you from the inside out. From this day forward. If God is at work. Let's respond in obedience to Him. Let's stand and say yes to Him.